What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. Might sound a little echoey right now because I am coming to you live from backstage at 930 Club in the wonderfully humid Washington, D.C. This week's guest is Brandon Scott. He's a fabulous drummer, YouTuber, and cinematographer. I've been following his YouTube channel for years, and it's it's been a long time. I didn't realize how long he's been doing this, and I was really excited to get him on the show. Brandon's YouTube channel is an exceptional blend of great drumming, education, humor, and VFX. In this episode, we, of course, discuss the five records that helped shape Brandon into the drummer he is today, but we also touch on taking self-inventory of happiness and allowing your passions to become one big life stew. And we also talk about where Brandon is with all of that. So go check out his YouTube channel. I'll link it in the show notes and enjoy the chat. And if you're listening to this anytime in the later half of September 2023, go check out my band Cannons. We are on tour um, for the rest of the month. Going into October, we're going to Australia and Japan. Um, Thanks for supporting me and thanks for allowing me to have an intro in such an echoey room. I love you all and uh, enjoy the show. For this list, what was your criteria for an album to even be in the running to make this list? Um, geez, I just kind of thought from the beginning to now and like, I think for every drummer, there's like few moments, like uh, chapters in their journey where it's like, for me, it was like I had my pop punk era and then like my progressive rock era and then learned about like jazz fusion or like animals as leaders or whatever, like. I don't know. That's still Prague, but like, and then after that, it all kind of faded away. But it's like, and I started learning a bunch of other random stuff. But it's there's these like little stages, you know. So I just kind of thought of each album that kind of summarized each stage in, in that journey. And, and I would say the beginning of my drumming journey, you know, because a lot of these albums, I was listening to a lot of music more towards the beginning when I wanted to learn and like being the best drummer I could possibly be was my goal. And now things are just kind of shifted to where it's like. Drums are just my passion, and I, I just want to maintain that enjoyment and love for the instrument, as opposed to like becoming the next Matt Garska, because I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but uh, that was my criteria, I guess. Just like there's there's little chapters in every everyone's life where you love this guy, and then you discover this guy, and opens a whole other door, mm-hmm. um, which is what I love about drums, because it's like never ending, you know. Yeah, there's really not, and I'm excited to talk to you about this stuff because looking at your picks, there's not really. And I don't mean this in a bad way. There's not really a through line. You really are going, navigating it all, kind of taking left turns and stuff. So it's 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 awesome. You definitely are a well-rounded player. All right. So hypothetical. You're at Nam. You go to a kit. You want to mess around. You know that there's some people behind you, you know, in the in the rafters that are well aware of you. What do you play? What's the first thing you play? Oh God, <laughs> a bunch of six-stroke rolls. There you go. Yeah, as loud as I possibly can. Yeah. Uh, no. And the halftime shuffle. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love playing the halftime shuffle. I don't know. I just feel comfy in that in that zone. And and then obviously six tuplets or thirty second note triplets for all all you nerds out there. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, love love doing that stuff. It, it's tough because obviously in that setting, it's like I'd probably be self conscious, especially at Nam. Like I don't like playing drums at Nam because all these people watching you and then. I don't know. I feel like I've gotten over it now. I'd probably just sit and play like a little light groove. Honestly. Yeah. A couple rim shots. Hear how the snare sounds. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Tap the cymbals. Mm. 
Oh, these aren't mine. I'm out of here. Just no, cook a little kidding. stew and then yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all right. No. Well, correct answer. <clears throat> so, um, all right. Well, let's just hop into number one. So, this one huge record for me as well. So the album it's the self-titled uh, Blink One Eighty Two record from two thousand three. The key track is "I Miss You," but again, the whole record's you know talk about no through line. That record's all over the place in the best possible way, and of course, the drummer's Travis Barker. So. Yeah, take it away. What uh, what this record mean to you, and when did you hear it? All that jazz. So my sister was a she's about four years older than me, and um, she was really into like pop punk during this era, like early two thousands, you know. And I was just like a little kid. My dad was also a drummer. He also plays guitar and bass, and he had his own band. And um, my sister, I remember she had the CD rack full of all these CDs, you know, back in the day. I would steal her CDs, and my favorite ones was this one was Blink One Eighty Two self titled. And then also Boxcar Racer. Travis also drummed on that. And at the time, that was, that's when Travis Barker was like the guy. I mean, he's still the guy or whatever. But I, I thought he was so badass. And he just made me want to play the drums because I thought he was so cool. And then hearing the stuff he played on the drums, that was around the time where you couldn't understand what they were playing or like what was going on. So I put down I Miss You specifically because it was one of those tracks where I didn't know what the heck he was doing. And then somehow found out that he was using a brush in one hand and a, a stick in the other hand. Yeah, it was one of the first songs I like kind of learned how to play. A pretty simple, simple groove, very simple groove. Yeah, I was kind of breaking that wall of like not being able to hear what was happening on the drums and then figuring it out. And then when I listened back to the track, I could hear what was happening and like see it. Uh, and then I think that was quite a breakthrough. And I m remember that happening a lot through like some of the later uh, records that we'll talk about today is just you don't know what's happening and then you spend the time to figure it out and then you know what's happening and it unlocks it in your mind and then it's ear training it's all just ear training you know and, and then you can hear what they're playing and, and visualize what they're playing so yeah this it's hard to pick a track on this album because the whole album is just so sick so just chose i miss you figured out when I figured out the groove I was like oh the right hand is just like playing eighth notes didn't know what eighth notes were at the time but I'm like it's, it's just kind of like yeah. <laughs> doing the same thing you know yeah uh and then hitting the rim like blew my mind I'm like oh you can do that <laughs> I don't know man exactly the drums are so so pure when at the beginning stages when so fun when you're figuring out all that that little stuff dude they sounded great they put on a good show and just watching Travis play like that 
like that intense mm-hmm. for that long at his age. I don't. I really. I don't know how he does it and how he raises his hands up. Like I'm all about efficiency. My hands are down here. I'm like the yep. most boring drummer to watch play because <laughs> I just believe in efficiency. I can get the same sounding rim shot from down here than up here, you know. But in a live setting, obviously raising your hands up in the air like a monkey is they're gonna hire you as opposed to me. So and that's what people want to freaking see: stick twirls and and all that. I'm with you because I do. I'm also very ergonomic and and efficient. But then I just dance like Ray Charles, and that's what people notice. So it's like I I can still get away with it with still having lazy quote unquote efficient technique. But so when you when you listen to this at this stage of your career uh, or your drumming, what was your setup like? Like, did you then try and emulate Travis or what what did you do set wise? Um, I was just playing my dad's drum set, which he had this like five piece premiere. Pretty sure it was like 22, 10, 12, 16, pretty standard. Two crash cymbals, a ride, a little splash. It wasn't until I got into the rush stuff when I started buying roto toms and like as many cymbals and and side snares as I could, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that was the that was the drum setup. Well, you're a great co-host because number two, moving pictures. Little segue. This is wow. We did we totally planned this. Artist is Rush, <laughs> release series eighty one, key track, Tom Sawyer, YYZ or YYZ, depending on where in the world you're from. And then yeah, Neil Neil Peart. So take it away. My dad showed me Rush and obviously I was getting into drums at the time and I was blown away again like just watching the videos and seeing his drum set, I think f- at first is like, oh my god, like that looks so fun. And and yeah, you know, now that I'm a a bit older, obviously the stuff he played was fairly complex, but the orchestration patterns and stuff are, are kind of what make it. And yeah, at the time, is my dad, he offered me a hundred dollars if I could play Tom Sawyer all the way through like the <laughs> drum solo and everything. So I remember I, I literally spent like a month in the garage. That's a gig. Technically, and, that's a gig. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the hardest part for me at the time was just the 16th notes uh, grooving for that long because my stamina wasn't you know, up to par at the time or my technique. I was probably using my whole my whole arm and everything. Yeah. But um, yeah, I remember like searching YouTube for so I could watch like and see what drums he was hitting during the drum solo and everything like that. And back then there wasn't much. I don't recall there many <laughs> being many drum covers and stuff on YouTube and there was one cover of YYZ, this like animation video. Dude, I remember that. Oh my God, yes. To learn YYZ, I used that animation video to learn that YYZ. That is so funny, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has like, it starts with the playing and everything. It's like, I, I remember that. Yeah, he's like in the middle of the ocean. Yes. Uh, dude, so funny. I thought it was incredible. And um, I thought that video for years. <laughs> early YouTube days, mm-hmm. but yeah, that, that got me into, into Neil and, and Rush and odd time signatures and hitting more drums. Yeah, which is a beautiful time in a drummer's life. When yeah. When you bring a set of rototoms home and set it up. <laughs> Do you still have them? Or I'm trying to look at your kit behind. You're no. minimalist now, okay. No, minimalist now, yeah. Yeah, I went through that phase where I just wanted as many drums and cymbals as possible and and to play as, as complex and fast as possible. That's kind of like what opened this door. Did you ever see Rush? I saw them once, yeah. And it was freaking amazing. And it was it was one of their, I forget, six or seven years ago. But it's when they were doing the Moving Pictures album from front to back. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like an evening with Rush or whatever. And it was beautiful. It was amazing. Uh, it sounded just as good as the freaking record. Well, do you want to listen to YYZ or Tom Sawyer? Oh, that's a tough pick. I know. I'm sorry, man. 
Um, dude, let's do Tom Sawyer. listen to yyz man now you're making me think of yyz all right here we go jeez hit it hit it <laughs> the lamest sound right after someone goes hit it
memorizing parts and like orchestration and stuff like that. There's so many different changing parts and memorizing like measure by measure, mm-hmm. stop, rewind, measure, and go. And just um, that's how I learned songs too. Was just pressing, putting putting the record on the recorder and mm-hmm. stopping and starting out, but uh, <laughs> pressing play and rewind all the time. And uh, yeah, I don't know how people I, back then would actually like they'd have. I would just quit drums if I'd actually let a needle and probably ruin my record every day. Just yeah, no, that's that's insane. But um, yeah, I, I think every drummer needs to go through that phase, you know, where they're like, "What the heck are you playing?" And now we have YouTube; we can slow it down to fifty percent, mm-hmm. which is a pretty solid tool. I guess technically, and, and with hundreds with records, of drum covers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, everyone listening put out more drum covers. There's not enough of them. Um, yeah, I, I was gonna say going back to um, to the Travis thing, and I'd be curious to use this with any live videos of Rush. But that not to do a free ad for for Moises, but that video where you were talking about, yeah, like you can isolate <laughs> the live drum tracks. That is insane. It really blew my mind when they said you could do that. They're like, yeah, like you can show them that you could do it with videos. And, and I had the Blink concert coming up, so I'm like, okay, like <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna film it from the crowd oh, yeah. and then like see if your app works. Yeah. And, um, dude, it blew my mind when I was, when I put it through the app and like started pulling the tracks down, I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. It actually works very well. Yeah. For people who don't know, it's an app where you can kind of like isolate, like get rid of the guitars, get rid of the vocals for any purpose, but drum covers or whatever to isolate, to figure out parts and stuff. But yeah, he literally turned down in, in blink Tom and Mark's guitar vocals, everything. And Travis's drums in a live video from his camera roll sounds crystal clear it's insane yeah it's crazy i think the ai just like knows what it should sound like and adds yeah, yeah. The artifacts in there and stuff it's yep. wild and before like you weren't able to cut the tracks all the way down to zero because it would it would kind of mess up yeah but now now they've got it to where you can you can pull that crap all the way down God. and such a great tool yeah such a great tool especially if you're posting drum covers on youtube or whatever just always like i'm always gonna remove the drum track and, and then there you go you have a drumless track drumless play along i'm curious if to get around the copyright if a live song is copywritten so if you play drums to a live version of the song your song won't get copywritten on youtube if you put you know i don't, I don't know but uh yeah i don't even way know to the, cheat the, the rule system. on that actually yeah that might be a way to cheat the system i trust me i've done my fair share of trying to cheat the system by like slowing the track down by two percent or whatever changing the pitch and yep uh my most viewed video on YouTube is actually got flagged because I used, it's not a drum cover, but it's on, um, why is this song in every, or why is this beat in every song? Oh yeah, I know the video, yeah. Yeah, and there's like some Post Malone track in there and a Drake track in there. Only played for like 10 seconds, but YouTube flagged it and they're like, okay, you can either remove the video uh, or mute the section of the song or send the send the revenue to Drake or Post Malone or whatever, you know, and uh, I was like, "Fuck that! I'm just gonna mute the <laughs> mute the part of the song, <laughs> yeah. part of the video." So Absolutely. people are watching my video now, and it just goes mute for like ten seconds, and obviously it breaks my soul a little bit, but I had to get over it. <laughs> Forks Drum Closet, Nashville's full line drum store, celebrating its 40th year in business. Forks is independently owned and operated in the heart of Music City. Specializing in drums and percussion, Forks offers great discounts on all major brands and will beat any retailer's advertised price. 
From new and used equipment, vintage drums, and marching and orchestral instruments, Forks has something for every drummer. They offer professional rental, repair, and restoration services, as well as drum lessons. Stop by their storefront at 308 Chestnut Street, Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37210. Or go online at ForksDrumCloset.com. All the information I just said is at ForksDrumCloset.com. All right, well, Rush is amazing, but let's go to Dream Theater. So yeah, um, Systematic Chaos is the album. The artist is, of course, Dream Theater. Released since 2007. Few of the key tracks, In the Presence of Enemies, Constant Motion. Yeah, this is Mike Portnoy. Well, I always have to slow down when I say his name. I always like to say it, Mike Portnoy. Um, not Mike Mangini, who is also an amazing drummer, but um, yeah, take it away. Yeah, this kind of falls in the same category as, as Neil Peart, around like that same time where I was listening to progressive rock or whatever you want to call it. But same kind of thing, just a lots of drums and just remembering orchestrations and playing different patterns. I don't know what it was about Dream Theater, but yeah, I had like a year or two phase where it's like all I listened to and and just tried to figure out what Mike was playing. And uh, I think it still goes in that it's in that middle ground of like it's not as crazy as jazz fusion, but it sounds sounds difficult for like yeah. an intermediate to advanced drummer, you know? Yeah, and it so moonlights that, is yeah. Yeah, I was just like enamored with his playing and and saw them live a couple times, which was really cool. Also good for your inspiration as a kid and just made me want to play the drums and practice. Constant Motion, we can play that track. That one, I just, there's one section in the middle where it kind of breaks down. It's like, uh, and he's just hitting his like octobons and all his little stacks. Oh, that's another thing too is Mike Pointer was the first person I ever heard to have a stack on his kit. Mm. Uh, and I love stacks now still to this day. And like, I feel like everyone loves stacks. I don't know who the first was that placed. I'm sure he wasn't the first, but... Yeah, that made me want to start stacking cymbals on each other and, and just get like that <laughs> sound, you know? Yeah. So in Constant Motion, there's a, there's a part where he's like, what I thought back in the day was like going crazy on all, all the stacks and octobonds or whatever. And and then I had, to, of course, get octobonds because I was a Mike Portnoy fan. So I, I got some. But yeah, had those for a while and thankfully got rid of them. They were just annoying and they got in the way of my hi-hats and everything. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not convenient drums. <laughs> not, not at all, dude. They're like long tubes and don't know where to put them. But I had to have them because my course and I had them. You know, that's the stage of my drumming. Yeah, that that's just at. basic safety. All right, well, let's just listen to Constant Motion and then maybe I'll start halfway through. Cool, yeah. It's not even that crazy, actually. Yeah, I remember back when I was a kid, I would listen to that, this, like, all all the time. And be like, what oh my god, what is he doing? Yeah, just all the, like, hi-hat barks and little, little stack hits and then going up to the... Dude, it's all singles. It's so funny when I listen to it back now. He's like, all he's playing is singles. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like when I figured out what a wipeout uh, was. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so funny, man. But yeah, I don't know. Again, just going back to it, it's like, it just inspired me to play and, and inspired me to like, just try and, try and get better at the drums. Yeah, nothing wrong with so, that. After that, I don't even remember who's next on the, on this list. Is it Blake Richardson? Yeah, with Between the Buried and Me. Yep. 
I went to a Dream Theater concert and saw Between the Buried and Me, and I was just blown away. I was like, oh my god, this is sick. And it was like more heavier music, like scream, screaming metal. And me as a drummer, I literally don't even listen to lyrics. Like I, I hear the melodies and stuff, but I don't even listen to the words that they're saying. Mm. Unfortunately, I'm cursed with this thing of just hearing the drums now and like the patterns that are playing. So like the screaming didn't bother me at all with Between the Buried and Me. I was, I was more focused on Blake and his playing and his orchestration choices. And I actually did a Skype lesson with Blake when I was 15 or 16 years old. And that was really cool for me too, because he was kind of like starting to be one of my heroes at the time. And then now I could get a Skype lesson with like my freaking hero blew my mind. And so you bet your ass anything that he said or taught me, I was going to take to heart. And he taught me the six stroke roll, which changed the way I played the drums. Like, I, to this day, I still play the six-stroke roll or variations of it, and it unlocked that whole door of, like, rudiments and not just playing singles like Mike Portnoy, like we just mm. heard. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> That shitty drummer who's only playing singles. Yeah. yeah, oh, God. But And also, I spent a lot of time learning Between the Buried and Me songs, and it inspired me to, like, post more drum covers on my YouTube channel. Um, I think at the time... That's when like drum covers were becoming a thing. And also I just I just like filming myself because my dad was a photographer and he had a bunch of nice cameras and I just liked the way drums looked on camera and like I thought it looked cool and so I wanted to film it and put it on YouTube, you know? So yeah, I would kinda credit him for like giving me the inspiration to start posting drum covers on YouTube, which kinda was the catalyst for me starting the channel in the first place and and learning the six stroke role, so learning how to play doubles intertwined with singles, which basically are what rudiments are. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There you go. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, cool little full circle moment, though. I, I saw Blake was coming through Philadelphia uh, to play with Between the Buried and Me Now. And so I hit him up on Instagram. Because we've kind of been chatting through Instagram. He's seen like the growth through my YouTube channel over the years. And uh, I was like, yo, can I, can I come hang and like film the show? And he was like, yeah, dude, come through. Now that I'm doing more of this like video production stuff, it's nice that and people take me seriously now that, you know, when you have a certain amount of subscribers, people take you seriously for some reason. Uh, I could hit <laughs> them up and be like, <laughs> well, you're <laughs> Yo, also really I... good at what you do. So it's not for some well, reason. I appreciate it. But yeah, I, I hit them up and because my passion now is obviously the drums, too, but like more in the filmmaking and, and editing realm, you know, and uh, so kind of doing a lot more of that stuff. Um, been working for Drumeo lately as well. And mm-hmm. so hit hit Blake up and got to film the show and we were chatting afterwards and it's nice when you hear from your heroes, like, yo, dude, like, I see what you've been up to, like, really proud of you. And, and I was able to tell him, like, dude, you taught me the six-stroke roll, which is, I made a YouTube video of the six-stroke roll. My first lesson ever on YouTube was on the six-stroke roll. Yep. And I learned it from him. So I told him that. I was like, and that was my first video to ever break, like, 100,000 views at the time. And that was, like, massive, you know? And I remember the so video, I him, man. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I told him that, and it's just like, really cool now over a decade later being able to to link up and give credit where credit is due and kind of like a full circle thing you know but um blake richardson i would say just like the other drummers changed the way that i play the drums was another door that i opened in the drumming world for sure Uh, i don't know which tracks i have on there uh Um, well yeah so you you said the of of course the artist is the uh, between the buried and me uh the album is colors that you chose came out in 2007 you chose prequel to the sequel and white walls 
Yeah, let's play White Walls. That's only 14 minutes song. If we could just listen to that front to back yeah, for a little like, bit and just yeah. kill some time. Sure, yeah, absolutely. No, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, let's check out Prequel to the Sequel. I, okay. Again, ha- I actually haven't listened to this song in forever, but yeah. That one's only nine minutes long, so. <laughs> yeah, <dude. laughs> that's the thing. Is like, So when you get into the progressive music, it's like you get nine minute and 14 minute songs for some reason. Yeah. Um, Brevity is not their strong suit. But let's just listen to a little bit of Blake, yeah. songs front to back and learn every single note exactly how they played it um he had videos of him playing it on youtube and so i would watch it and play pause and just spend out hours in the garage probably pissing off my parents playing this stuff oh yeah because didn't you have like a little room that was like kind of like technically isolated and all that jazz yeah it was like uh in the garage actually but because my dad was in a band he like needed a sound room as well so uh, he was all for it. So, but then obviously when he quit playing the band, I I had my own band actually with my brother and two of our friends where we would write like progressive music just like this because this that was the era that we were in like Dream Theater and whatnot. We just wanted to write weird odd time signatures and music that just didn't make sense. So we'd be in there practicing all the time as well, and we played a few shows, which was pretty fun. And I think it's good just to get together with friends and try writing your own music. Also, I wish I had done that later on in my life, but haven't actually had the opportunity or maybe haven't haven't made it a priority or whatever. Yeah, kind of uh, going back to this music or whatever just made me want to post more YouTube covers, YouTube drum covers and like learn these songs note for note, front to back, post a YouTube cover it, of it and my life was complete. You know, what's the next song I want to learn now? So, yeah, and then after after Between the Buried and Me is kind of when... Maybe I was like 16 or 17 or so and started just watching YouTube drummers and like, you know, Mike Johnston tutorial videos. And maybe this is around the time where YouTube kind of started blowing up and watching like Benny Greb and uh, I don't know, just surfing YouTube to find all the different type of drumming and learning like different drumming styles and Guitar Center drum off videos were like the best thing ever. I remember watching Juan Mendoza's Guitar Center drum off and just being like so floored how amazing it was and how precisely he played and just trying to learn different patterns and different styles of drumming and and then also I just kind of wanted to contribute to that like I want to post YouTube videos too and 
I think that's around the time I kind of started working at Guitar Center as well. So just surrounded myself around music and drums, which is always a good thing. And started learning more about drums and being able to talk about drums to people every day. That Yeah, that was just kind of like a part of my life where I was fully, fully immersed in the drums and just wanted to wanted to put all my energy into it and like figure out how good I could get at the at the instrument. And then also just kind of wanted to share that journey online with everybody. Uh, another one of my inspirations who like really inspired me was JP Bouvet because I'd watch those drum off videos and then I discovered JP. He, he posted that he was doing this drum camp, his first drum camp ever at Mike Johnston's place in Sacramento. And I was like, oh my God, I have to go to this thing. So like saved up my money and went to this drum camp. And that was like a massive catalyst because it just gave me a bunch of inspiration. And again, being able to like hang out with your heroes who you, you feel are like unattainable. And then you realize they're just like normal people. And it is possible to like be a drummer and like make it work, you know, because I came from a small town where there were no artists or anything like that. It's like you go to school and then you go to college. Right. And I applied. I didn't I knew that I didn't want to go to the school for no reason and get like my business degree for no no reason. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll go to a music school or something and applied to Musicians Institute in Hollywood and got accepted, but then backed out because it was just expensive and I didn't know what it would do for me. And then applied to Berklee College of Music, got accepted, but then backed out and we found it found out it was gonna be like sixty thousand dollars a year or whatever. And I didn't want to put my parents I didn't want to succumb my parents to that stress. Because, like, say I went to Berkeley, passed all my classes with flying colors. There's no guarantee I'm going to get the Ariana Grande gig, mm. you know? <laughs> so that scared me. So I was like, okay, whatever. I'm going to try and figure it out on my own. And um, so going to that JP camp really inspired me and being able to talk to them and ask them questions, like, just how they made it work and, and just finding out that it is possible. I think if you're just, like, passionate enough about something, then you can make it work. You know, I feel like there may, there may be a bit of luck involved. I saw this quote the other day, luck is uh, preparation meeting opportunity, you know, mm -hmm. it's just a combination of everything. And yeah, I think passion drives everything. Like if you're really passionate about something and you, you work hard, you do need a good work ethic, you know, then you can make things work. Yeah. As I was working at Guitar Center, but also wanted to just like play drums for a living and I wanted to find out how to make that work. So I started gigging and playing like local gigs around town as well, like the local bar circuit. One band became two bands, and then pretty soon I was gigging with like three different bands and figuring out how to make that work, and also working at Guitar Center. And then I went like part-time at Guitar Center, because so I was like, oh, maybe I'll just like shift the day job out a little bit and then start doing more, more gigging, and then I can devote more time to making YouTube videos. And that's what it was, just slowly like pushing out the day job and, and slowly introducing these other streams of revenue, which you need if you want to be like a independent contractor or whatever like a you need multiple streams of revenue uh, yes unless, you do uh, unless it's like a really good paying thing so i was like gigging i was teaching lessons doing the youtube stuff but wasn't really making income from youtube at the time yeah and then one of the bands i was working with did cruise ships so then i left i had to quit guitar center obviously to do the cruise ships i just wanted that opportunity because i love traveling and i wanted to see the world and whatnot and uh so I did the cruise ships for about eight months and stuff and then what i'm learning is no one has it figured out. You're kind of just like faking your way through it, honestly, <laughs> like figuring it out as you go. Um, it may look like everyone has their shit figured out, but maybe some do. But I'm, I'm not that type of person, you know, and, and 
Yeah, kind of went off on a huge tangent there. No, but. I love it. I wanted to talk about it. I was going to bring up JP and Mike later, but no, I mean, yeah. one of the big things I loved and will and continue to love about your channel is your transparency and just, you you did document your journey and I don't really know th that many other drummers that, that you feel like you're like their bud, you know, like it, you're in, you're inside their world, which is a, a huge part. Obviously you're playing and all that jazz as well. Uh, it goes without saying, but... Yeah, no, you have a very unique channel. It's very awesome. And people don't know it. I mean, it's there's years of content. So Yeah, thank you, man. And that's that's one thing I really wanted to show is just like be organic and, and natural about the whole thing. And because at the end of the day, I am still just a dude with drums in his basement who loves to play the drums. You know? I I remember being a kid, like watching Mike Johnson and and Benny Greb and all those guys and thinking that what they're doing is so unattainable, you know? And obviously Today I get people like messaging me like, dude, I love your videos and stuff like that. And how do I do this or that or there? And it's like, obviously I think of that. I was, I was in that position. And today I feel the same as like that. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. still figuring out my life, yep. you know? And uh, maybe that's the trouble with being an artist. It's like a, it's a Sisyphean task. Big vocab word there, you know? But it's like a never yeah, ending thing. what the hell is like, that? We, I love it. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it's like a... It's a Greek mythology thing. Sisyphus is like a, he was pushing a, bear, a boulder up a hill oh. only for it to roll back down. And he'd have to do it for eternity. It's like a, it's a never-ending task. I see. And just like <clears throat> finding complacency in all of this is just like never-ending, you know, and, mm -hmm. which I've come to enjoy. And that's how it is with the drums, you know. I'll, I will never be as good of a drummer as I want to be. And I, and I don't want that to happen. Like what happens if you learn everything on the drums? Like, then what? You know, there's no room to grow. That sounds boring. Like, I don't know. I just, I always want to be impressed by other drummers and always want to think like, oh, that's something I can work on. Or I think having room to grow is very important and inspiring. 100%. And I think the thing that I would love to have, I don't really care as much of my technical prowess as I get older. It's I want to have better taste. I want to have, because that's the stuff that makes you, you is like the choices you make. And that's the kind of stuff that's, it's, it's so hard to practice that you know because yeah you can know okay let's let's move the right hand around the kit or choose different voicings or permutate whatever but and I, I still do that obviously but it's just like do my choices make people go oh shit this is that's good that's the kind of drum parts i want to help create you know yeah i mean i, I kind of go back to what you're saying about the drumming and, and playing i've shown you a lot of complex music but when I started gigging is when I realized like, <laughs> yeah. all, oh, all shit. of that is pointless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, especially on the cruise ships, because like I used to hit hard and loud and, and play a top of freaking fill every four bars. And, and obviously the more you gig and the more you play with other musicians and the more you get roasted and realize, <laughs> oh, like don't hit a crash every, every four bars. Like don't even yeah, bring start, a crash. Yeah, dude, seriously, you'll be fine. <laughs> And yeah. uh, you start to learn the value in serving the music, which, God, it takes a long time for a musician to like get that point and understand it. And I think gigging is what helped me realize that, like, oh, I could literally just sit here and groove all night long and no one would care. Uh, <laughs> I do a better job. And then my goal whenever I was gigging was to make sure that no one ever did have to turn around and look at me. No one noticed that I was there. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I literally just wanted to serve the music and that brought me tons of joy. And then on the cruise ships, it's like we were playing in small venues too. So I had to play like 
fairly quietly as well. And I love hitting rim shots, man. I love it. It feels so good. But couldn't do it on the cruise ship. So I had to learn how to like, you know, play with dynamics and, and think about, oh, this room is like this big. Oh, there's glass walls in this room. Like maybe don't hit your 20 inch A custom as yeah. loud as you can. You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But obviously I do love music where it's like drum focus, like, but it depends mm-hmm. what band you're in. Like, totally. Obviously if you go to animals as leaders concert, you don't want to <laughs> see Garska playing a four, four groove the whole yeah, time. Yeah. He's behind uh, the would, barricade. No one can see him. That's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I would, I would have loved to be in a band like that. Honestly, like a little technical band too, but those don't pay the bills. Unfortunately, when you're trying to, you know, earn money Four four pays the bills. I also don't like imagining, Joey Jordison, when they were first starting up, did he haul those gig, those drum? Like, did they, did they play tiny clubs? Did he set up that entire kit at like in CBGBs? Like, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> big metal bands like that, you only see them like you've never heard of them, and then they're huge stages. Like, where's the middle part for those bands? I, I just don't for understand. Sure. I don't know the the local recreation area or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of YouTube real quick, what was your first drum cover? Like, what was the first song you're like, I'm confident enough in my drums to show people I can play this? Hmm. Well, the first cover I ever posted was YYZ by Rush. Okay. Well, I probably should have mentioned that earlier. Maybe you did. I'm, to, I'm bad. No, I didn't. But it was posted to my dad's YouTube channel. And then I, because I was like 12. I was 12 years old when I posted that cover to YouTube. I'm 28 now. So 16 years ago. Wow. All you TikTok posers. I've been in the game longer than you. Yeah. No. Amen, brother. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and then this, the first video I posted to my channel was Dance of Eternity by Dream Theater. Okay. Uh, which is another long, progressive rock freaking <laughs> singles everywhere. You say it with rolling yeah. your eyes. I'm sure he did a great job. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, obviously, I was into that music. And then, yeah, it was like posting Dream Theater covers and then posting Between the Buried and Me covers, Animals as Leaders, a couple covers, I think, here and there. And, and then and then that's when I started getting into, like, Snarky Puppy and, wow. like, Jazz Fusion and stuff, you know, uh, which is a great segue I into know. our it's next just, tune. This is amazing, Brandon. All right, so, yeah, the <laughs> album is We Like It Here. The artist is Snarky Puppy, released here is 2014. Key track that we'll listen to in a second is What About Me? And then, yeah, Mr. Larnell Lewis of Metallica uh, Sandman fame. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. Take it away. Uh, oh, I know exactly the first time I listened to Snarky Puppy. Okay, so I was at Nam, and I saw this massive line of people waiting to get into this, this hall, this small room. I see Juan Mendoza standing in line. So I go up to him. And I'm like, yo, dude, like, what are you waiting in line for? And he's like, oh, there's this band Snarky Puppy playing. And I was like, oh, never heard of them. And I just left. Uh, <laughs> Sounds forever, <dumb. laughs> Forever regret that day because I went home and looked them up and uh, found out how incredible, like, of musicians they all are. Mm-hmm. And um, was kind of hooked ever since. Kind of just went through a phase of just listening to Snarky Puppy for a little bit and uh, trying to learn a few of their songs, failing miserably, but just like kind of just enjoying the music as it is because I I love instrumental music as well so anytime there's no vocals and they're ruining it then and then I love it but yeah Larnell and and also Sput such amazing players and like just blew my mind with their creative decisions and stuff and 
great technical music to listen to if, if you uh trying to up your skills and stuff but yeah <laughs> or hate yourself and never want to touch drums again yeah, listen exactly. to anything spot does <laughs> yeah. but uh all right here's here's what about me track two actually is like Chris Dave and the drum heads. I remember I went to a, a drum off and they were performing there. Never heard of Chris Dave until then. And I was like, oh my God, like he's like not playing on time, but playing on time. And like, but it sounds it feels <laughs> so good and like fat. And I, and I was like, what is this? What is this mastery? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Just kind of opened the door of like Dilla beats kind of, and like that control of, cause at the time my mind was all like, Oh, quantize like every note has a place, but then then open the door of like no, it doesn't. Yeah, and it's like you're you're even better if it does not. <laughs> and like, <laughs> wait, I could have been shitty this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. but uh, yeah, just like the creative decision of like pushing the snare a little bit behind the beat or yeah. ahead of the beat or or doing the lazy hi hats and yeah, just that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, it blew my mind. And again, I should clarify, that was a joke. I think those people that pl can play that way are, are fucking savants. So I'm, in no way do I think it's <laughs> shitty playing. But I do want to totally. also mention one of the honorable mentions that you mentioned. <laughs> the, uh, Glenn Frazier. Talk about... Oh, yeah. Talk about Man. Yeah. Uh, man was my, my drum teacher when I was about 16 years old to around 18 years old. The reason I put him on this list is because, I mean, he was super pivotal in me becoming like a working musician. Uh, I remember my dad knew the owner of this music academy in our hometown, Marietta. And he was like, oh, like, you want to get drum lessons there? Like, there's two teachers. One of these teachers is really technical, and the other teacher is, is just like a really good gigging musician. And I wanted the technical teacher. But uh, apparently he was too busy and unavailable, so I was like, okay, I'll just I'll get lessons with the with the gigging, the working drummer. Yeah, and um, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember at the time, like I loved the lessons. Every time I would go in for a lesson, I would leave and just feel super inspired. But it was like we worked on boring stuff, like reading. And I remember he'd always put on these tracks of just a bass groove, and be like, all right, find the groove, play what you would play over this bass groove. And he'd teach me about like finding the accents and knowing how to like find the groove. Like now, if I heard a bass player play something, I would know. I would feel like what I'm supposed to play on the kit, you know. I want to take that, that lesson. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was a great tool to teach you because there were times where I've played gigs and did not know the song, 
never heard it before, but they started already. And I like look at the bassist or guitar player. I'm like, what song is this? They're like, so and so, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> let's hit it. And a I text have to would play. have been nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to play. That happened a lot with the band um, that Glenn actually got me an audition for. It's called Liquid Blue. They're like a corporate party band, um, just playing, playing covers, but big production, you know, with like dancers and a horn section and um, big clients would hire this band for like corporate parties or very expensive weddings. And they would travel a lot, like internationally. So we'd fly to like Hong Kong, play a gig and then fly back or fly to Singapore, play a gig and fly back. And I, I love traveling and stuff. So did lessons with Glenn for a couple of years. He was the drummer for Liquid Blue, but they were looking for another drummer because they were obviously getting busy. They had like three drummers that they would circulate through, you know, and, and they actually had enough players to where they could play three nights in different cities at the same time. So it was like a company kind of, you know. Yeah. And uh, they were looking for another drummer and Glenn, after about like two years of lessons with him, he's like, man, I think you're, I think you're ready and I, I know you can play this music. Like, let me set up an audition for you. Wow. And he like set everything up and told like, Put in the good word, which is what you need in the music industry is a good word from somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it's like who you know, you know, and yeah, Glenn set up the audition and everything. He was there at the audition and it was just like during their sound check for a show. Like I just went and did the sound check for them, basically played through a couple songs, did that like two or three times and they called me on for a gig and that's just kind of what snowballed it. Then they called me for more gigs and, and then pretty soon I was like in the band or whatever, you know, there was no official like you're in. <laughs> that's also how it works in the music world too I can't even tell you how many times I filled in for a band one time because our drummer was gone and then filled in again later and then and then they're like yo can you just like play for us now that's probably how all of them happened actually you know yeah um, and when you're fired it's not you don't get fired you just see dates on the calendar that you weren't asked if you're available for yes exactly yep <laughs> but um yeah, if it weren't for Glenn, then I, I would not have gigged with that band. I wouldn't have traveled, wouldn't have done the, those cruise ships because that's the band I did the cruise ships with. I met my wife on the cruise ships. She was the doctor on on my second cruise ship. Yeah, and Glenn is a badass drummer, man. Like, he, uh, pretty sure he just grew up, like, playing in church and stuff, but he was just gigging around town and, and uh, so good. So good, man. And he, he's still around? He's still in the SoCal area? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's still in, in, in Southern California. He still plays for the band Liquid Blue. Okay. Pretty sure his son actually, pretty sure, like took my place in Liquid Blue now because I moved to South Africa for three years because mm-hmm. uh, that's where my wife is from, and um, hated doing long distance. So I was like, okay, the YouTube channel is picking up. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna drop everything and just come out to South Africa and make it work. <laughs> so moved out there. Had to had to quit the band. They actually flew me out for a couple of gigs while I was still living in South Africa, but. Uh, after a while, now Glenn's son, Taj Frazier, is their go-to guy. That's a good drummer um, name, Taj Frazier. Yeah, Taj Frazier. But uh, it's so cool that like that man's son is, is the next in line, you know, which exactly what I would have wanted, you know. And, and yeah. he's killing it, too. So And he gets to travel and everything and gets to the, see that side of gigging, which is uh, pretty fun. You know, you get backline kits. You don't even have to set the drums up. You just walk and it's there. Bring your sticks. Yeah. It's yeah. 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 It it was really fun. I'm glad I got to do it for a while. So now it's like life is a bit different for me because I think, I think just my priorities shifted a bit because, you know, it's easy to, to struggle for gigs and (laughs) eat top ramen every night when it's just you, 
but when you when you you know get married and have a wife and stuff you you want to be like a functioning member of society right <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> yeah i'll get but, there uh, one day yeah i i and i like love playing gigs and everything like that but um when i was in south africa i really put all of my eggs in like the youtube basket and making videos and then i think that's kind of when i discovered my love for for making the videos more <laughs> more so than being in the videos every video i'd make i'd like because I'd, I'd watched a lot of YouTube videos also on like VFX and stuff like that or like camera settings and just like trying to make make things look better. And so then I kind of just got into that realm of like, how can I just make this look better or how can I do something cooler? And um, now my passion is like slowly moving in the in the way of cinematography and like editing. And so when we moved back to the States, kind of started doing work for my my childhood friend who's also like a cinematographer director and i just love it dude i love looking through a camera lens and like making stuff look nice and then bringing it home and pulling it off and editing it and you realize there's there's more money in that than there is in <laughs> struggling for gigs so, yeah uh, mm -hmm. but so i've been doing more jobs with that like for other clients and, and now for drumeo actually on a consistent basis but that's allowed me to have the freedom to to play drums whenever I want and like how I want. Cause for a while it became just playing the drums just to make a YouTube video. And I was stressing like, oh, I finished this YouTube video this week. Like what's next week's video? Do the people even need to see this video? Probably not. And like, I never wanted to become that guy who was churning out videos for no reason. I always wanted to share something that I was excited about and felt like I needed to share with the world. Yeah, being able to do this video production stuff, like. I stay busy during the week doing that or whatever, but it allows, it gives me the freedom to just like play whenever I want and how I want. And I, I don't feel forced to play or I don't know, so, but I'm still constantly trying to find that balance of passion. I think I'm, I have a lot of passions, you know, I like skating and surfing and playing the drums and video editing. And it's just like trying to find out how to balance all of that mm -hmm. and, and get fulfillment from everything. But, uh, well, yeah. what I what I could sum that up is you just follow the dopamine, you know, you just when you started making your YouTube videos, you didn't realize maybe that this was going to be this huge passion that you love cinematography, but it's so obvious in your videos. I mean, that's one if people don't know your channel, go check it out now, because, yeah, you are so unique. You're you, yeah, your your VFX or I don't know, you you're so good about blending really good drumming with really good information and humor and visual effects it's kind of all this like really cool stimulating product and uh it's cool that you just kind of figured it out on the way figured out your passions and the only thing that sucks is i'm, I'm sure the surfing is not as good in atlantic <laughs> city as it was in probably south africa but no i haven't even been surfing out here which which sucks it really bummed me out honestly when i first came out here like i was i was depressed for a bit because we were like Five minutes from the beach in south africa and yeah do they have indoor surf things or do they have anything like that here or there out here in jersey i think not in south africa nothing i know of but there is one that like there's a mall in jersey i think that has a really nice wave pool <laughs> inside that you can surf all right uh never been there but but i do want to go okay for sure yeah man one one other thing that kind of i thought about when you said that last thing was um about my channel and like how it's different and whatnot i remember there when the channel kind of first started blowing up, I mentioned that JP was like one of my good influences. And uh, I think there was a period where I was 
was so inspired by JP's videos that I would was like kind of copying exactly what he was doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And he sent me an email that I'll never forget. I, I don't think he would mind me talking about this or whatever, but he sent me an email and in the gen- in the nicest way possible, he was like, yo, like, I love what you're doing, but I'm getting messages from people saying like, oh, Brandon's like kind of copying what you're doing, you know? And at the time, I took it like, it hurt me so much. Cause like, this is my hero, you know, sure, telling man. me like, stop copying me. But he said it in a way that was like, you know, I'm already doing this thing, you know, so you have to find your thing and how to make, how to make what you're doing stand out from the others. Once I got over that and cried myself to sleep, I woke up the next morning and <laughs> just, I would have, I, I, I mean, you're kidding. I wouldn't be. <laughs> it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, but he meant it with the best intentions. Like, and I know JP, like he meant it with the best intentions. And I think it did help me because then I was like, you know, you're right. Like the, the online world is so saturated with like all the same videos. Like what, what can I do to set myself apart somehow or whatever, you know? And so I kind of always thought of that when making my videos from that point on, like, how can I make these different? Or like, what do I have that's different to say? Like, I don't want to make a parroted lesson, you know? And yeah. And I think that's an important thing to, to tell your viewers, I guess is, and I don't want to say that, that no one copies anyone because everybody copies everybody, Mm -hmm. but it's about, it's about copying a little bit from this guy, a little bit from this guy, a little bit from this guy, and then that creates your own style. My style came from all from JP big time, but also all the other YouTube channels that I watch. Like I follow those VFX channels, follow like Peter McKinnon, and and watched his videos on like how to make videos look nice and all that stuff. And so my channel comes from a it's a big gumbo of all the people that I'm inspired by, and that's an important thing. I think there's a book. The art of stealing, or something. It's, sure. Uh, I wish I knew the exact book name, but that's the end conclusion. It's like everybody steals a little bit from from everyone. You know, it's about you, like taking little bits from everything that you're inspired by, and then turning it, in it into your own. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing goes directly with the drumming. Like, I learned something from Travis. Learned something from Mike Portnoy, from Neil Peart, from Blake Richardson, and it's created my style of drumming. That's how it is for every drummer out there. You know whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'll let you get back to video editing. I'm sure you have a full plate. Um, <laughs> and uh, this was really fun, dude. I really appreciate Like I said, I've been a fan of your channel for a while. Um, and so it, it's, been, it's been awesome talking to you. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews do that. It helps more people find the show so it'll get bigger and better and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing. So go check that out at Isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye!